It's your birthday. It's my birthday. It's everybody's birthday. The WNBA is here. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That music always makes me feel like dancing, but especially today. I am Howard McDowell, host of Locked On Women's Basketball, editor and founder of The Next. You can, of course, follow our work at Locked On Women's Basketball by subscribing. Each and every weekday, thank you for making us your first listen. You can hear us wherever podcasts are found. You can follow the great work being done by our incredible staff at The Next, thenexthoops.com. Follow us online at The Next Hoops on Instagram or Twitter. Make sure that you are following all the work that is being done covering this game that we all love. It's here, you guys. It is here. The WNBA schedule starts 7 p.m. tonight. I'm using Eastern Standard Time because, of course, that is the only time zone. I will fight you if you disagree with me. Fever versus Mystics, 7 p.m. Sparks versus Sky, the defending champs back out there, 8 p.m. Aces versus Mercury, 10 p.m. And the Lynch against the Storm out in Seattle, also at 10 p.m. Great matchups right away. Liberty Suns tomorrow at 6. Dream versus the Winds tomorrow at 8. I hope you're ready. If you've been listening to the show, if you've been reading us, over at the next, you're ready. I'm ready. I have been anticipating this for a very, very long time. So we'll get into it in some detail. But later on in the show, we're going to have Derek Fisher talking about the importance of Sinead Wilmake. I wrote a piece about it actually over at Forbes, uh, just posted this afternoon. And a whole host of other issues. Sparks set their final rosters. Some fascinating choices about who's there, who's not. Some tough choices. Some tough choices across this league. You know, this league is filled with 11 women, 12 women rosters. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. 144 isn't enough, and this league doesn't employ 144 players. Not with the salary cap forcing a lot of teams to carry 11. Sinead Wilmake, who I mentioned before, she talked about the need for a G League. I've talked about this too. Having people at home, having people in the United States ready to come, having played regular basketball, it matters. Having an injured list so that you don't have to cut players, but you can have a true roster reflecting players who have bought in, who are in your practice, who are part of your system. It matters. Having 15 instead of 12. Ask any NBA team why they moved from 12 to 15. When I was growing up, there were 12 players on an NBA roster. There's a reason it got bigger. It's, it's a net win for everyone involved. So I'm going to keep banging this drum. We're going to keep talking about it. 
But let's talk about the Sparks in particular. And the Sparks roster, it's technically 13 because they have some contracts temporarily suspended. This smart use of the roster. The Sparks understand, and this is from Fisher on down to his brain trust, that there is value to having depth, especially in this league, especially in this season. 36 games, most we've ever had. Last game of the regular season, August 14th, because of the FIBA World Cup and having to squeeze it in there. That's going to matter. So I just want to take it one by one by one here. I'm going to start with Liz Cambage and the expectations are that Liz is starting at the center position, that she is a centerpiece to this offense, that a team that was 12th in the lead in offensive efficiency. I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but this single game all-time scoring leader, she scored 53. Like, granted, it was against the New York Liberty team that, did not defend as fully as you might want, but just the same 53 is 53. So that's no matter. Next up is Lexi Brown. And I am extremely team Lexi Brown. We've had her on this program back when we were weekly. Lexi Brown, a plus defender, big time with steals, terrific shooter, just a veteran combo guard presence who I hope gets minutes, gets into a rhythm. Kennedy Carter is as exciting a player as you're going to watch in the WNBA. And she got a fresh start and she got an opportunity. Olivia Nelson Adota, here's how it was described to me by one person familiar. She has a chance to be a better pro than she was a collegiate player. She can effectively be a Brianna Turner type. That's really interesting. And there's not a lot of pressure on her either because you got Liz, because you got Shanae, because you've got Neko Gulmake. Because Jasmine Walker has a chance to be a prototype stretch four. It's going to be interesting to see what she does. Certainly she comes out of a very smart system. Very curious to see how she does moving forward. Ray Burrell, the talent is off the charts. Can she stay healthy? Ray Burrell was a lottery pick if she had stayed healthy in her final year in college. Sinead Wilmerke is doing it all. She is on ESPN. She's going to continue to be on NBA Today. And she's going to play in the WNBA at the same time. She matters. I, I want you to hear what Derek Fisher has to say about her because it extends beyond what kind of player she is. But she is a damn good basketball player. We get so caught up. And rightly so, I understand it. In Shania Gwumake, the figure, in Shania Gwumake, the person, we'll talk about 50 years from now because she's paved the way for a lot who have come after her. But Shania Gwumake was a top overall pick. She's a multi-time all-star. I saw her hit her first three-point shot. It was at the Westchester County Center, but it still counts. That was a WNBA arena then, although mercifully not anymore. Shanae Dwumake matters, and it's going to be fascinating to see how she was used. And let's just point out, Amanda Zowie B is not on this roster. The Sparks elected to suspend her for the season. 
her overseas commitments were going to mean she came in late. Um, Derek will talk a little bit more about that in the back and forth. But the thing to keep in mind is Amanda Zowie B would be necessary. They wouldn't have been able to make that choice if not for understanding you can get more minutes out of Sinead Wumake. Brittany Sykes, I've had the pleasure of covering her since she was at Syracuse, has overcome multiple ACL tears. Just one of the great lockdown defenders among perimeter players. Christy Tolliver will be here soon after her coaching commitments and the NBA are finished for the year. Brings leadership, brings a championship pedigree. Jordan Canada, a change of pace guard. Sparks will play fast if they can. Amy Atwell, just, just a knockdown shooter. Can't wait to see her out of Hawaii. Necker Gormake, what can you say? Former MVP, an opportunity again to go out further, spacing for Liz. Necker has a season where she one shot 61% from three-point range in a season in the year she won MVP. Katie Lou Samuelson, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Do not sleep on Katie Lou, a lottery pick who has been shuttled from team to team. But Katie Lou Samuelson has all-star ceiling, as far as I'm concerned. And let me just tell you how much Derek Fisher loves Jasmine Walker. So she's healthy. So she's here. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what they do with their entire rotation. So we're going to be back to talk directly with Derek Fisher about this. But first, we have to talk about Built Bar. Have you guys ever suffered from FOMO? I have. I've never said the word out loud before. But I've got FOBO. No, it's FOMBO. It's FOMBO. Fear of missing Built Bar out. I've got them. They're on their way. I've got the email that came today. They've shipped. They're coming. The puffs. Protein-infused marshmallow. 140 calories. 4 grams net carbs and 17 grams of protein. I can't wait till it's here. I wish I had a built bar right now. If you have FOMBO, again, not a legal term, kind of one I made up. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Do what my mom told me to do. I'm coming home last weekend from broadcasting. Go get built bar, she said. Make sure you have them on hand. So that's what I've done. They'll be here soon. In the meantime, FOMBO. You don't want FOMBO? Go do what I said and tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. So here's Derek Fisher. Enjoy what he had to say. Really interesting man who really clearly gets it, understands the WNBA in a broader sense. And then we'll be back to wrap it up, talk a little bit about expectations for the season. I am Howard McDonald, and this is Lockdown Women's Basketball.
Alrighty, we will get started with questions from Roz. Roz, go ahead. Hi, Coach. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay, Roz. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm well. Excited for the season, um, and congrats on getting to this point. Um, just wanted to start it off with a foundational question about um, a team where there's a lot of new. What was the um, characteristics, the identity of the types of players you wanted to keep and the identity of the type of uh, play and style, how that all connects into the type of play and style you want to see this season? Uh, yeah, no, we, um, you know, I think over the last, you know, couple years as we have kind of transitioned into um, you know, kind of a new era of, of Sparks basketball. We've wanted to try and increase the versatility of our roster and, and having the ability to match up uh, with different teams um, and, and really being able to, to, to also become more effective and efficiently on the offensive end, um, you know, as we move forward uh, to, to, to kind of support uh, the, the defense that we've been able to play over the last few years. Uh, so we, those are some of the priorities that, you know, we went after this offseason in terms of, um, you know, versatility offensively and defensively, players that can play multiple positions and, and, and have multiple skill sets. Um, and then obviously, you know, Liz being the, the biggest name and literally the, the, the biggest player, um, you know, her addition also changed what our needs would be night in and night out to be effective. Uh, when, when you have a more traditional center in terms of size, uh, the type of things you need to be able to do. Uh, you know, we, we tried to put together a roster that would complement, uh, you know, his up front. Uh, and then obviously with Jordan and, and, and Kennedy speed up at the top of the floor, um, being able to stretch the floor, provide a little bit more floor spacing. Um, but also again, defensively not losing sight of that end you know, be able to guard uh, multiple teams based on the different lineups that they may throw at us. So we felt like we, you know, we did the best job that we could in, in making some of these decisions. And, you know, we won't know how it works out until uh, until we get to a certain point in this season. Great, we'll go next question to Miriam Swanson from the LA Daily News. Hey, Coach Fisher. Um, I just wanted to ask sort of like the decisions you made um, as far as, you know, Taya and Arella and, and, um, and then what, how it's going to work out with Amanda um, going forward and, and kind of speak to that. And, and also the other day, Shanae brought up an idea about a G League for the WNBA and just wondering how much that would appeal to you, something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the personnel decisions are never, um, you know, easy ones. Uh, and, and I think for, um, you know, myself personally, you know, the, the amount of time that, you know, we spend with our players and around our players, like you, you begin to care about them personally as well as professionally. And you never take a decision lightly uh, that you may have to make professionally. Uh, doesn't separate how it may feel uh, to, to me personally or to that player personally. So, you know, decisions to, <clears throat> to go in a different direction in terms of Taya and Arella were not easy, but we felt like it was best for the team uh, in terms of what we were going to need in order to be most successful uh, to start this season and hopefully throughout this season. 
but but not an indication of of Tanarella's abilities or you know whether or not they can play in this league. I think they both have shown that they're capable of it. And, um, you know, maybe there's some other opportunities out there for them in in, in short order. Um, you know, with Amanda, really difficult decision there as well. Um, you know, for me, wearing two hats, there, there's, you know, there's a coach hat and there's a general manager hat and trying to balance uh, each of those things, you know, they don't always align. Um, but, you know, we felt like with with the roster that, you know, we put together in the offseason and, and the commitment that we tried to make uh, to having a 12-woman roster and, and in a condensed season with the FIBA World Cup um, at the end, it was just going to be really difficult to start our season, um, you know, with not having the bulk of our roster really here and, and present and ready to go and not because of um, their own vacation, right? We, we, we understand that it's not necessarily always a choice uh, and whether, you know, players are competing overseas, et cetera. But, um, you know, it, it was a difficult decision, but we, we were kind of, we, we didn't feel like we could take the risk that, uh, you know, the date of arrival would would line up with where we would be in the season. Um, and, you know, in this short season with any player that's going to miss a, you know, possible double digit number of games, it, it just, you know, last year with our experiences with Maria, it just kind of, we felt like it wasn't fair to the rest of the players even though we know that this would be really difficult, specifically related to Amanda. And, um, you know, that's where the human part of this business, it, it does kind of suck. It kind of then goes into maybe the G League part of the question. Um, because, yeah, it would be nice to have more time with our players or in situations like this, if we could, we could bring up, right, a, a developmental player or two that can hold the fort down while the more veteran player is overseas, you know, playing and, and competing. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there are any immediate solves to this. We're going to find out next year with WNBA prioritization uh, kicking in in 2023. And then in 2024, you know, that line gets drawn officially. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going to start to see that transition in that phase. Uh, but right now that, you know, the teams have to make the choices and, I realized that I'm not going to always make the right choice uh, as far as the player individually is concerned. I care about our players um, personally and professionally, but I, I get paid to do a job that is best for the Los Angeles Sparks organization as a whole, even if I personally don't like the decision I have to make and that just comes with the job. We'll go next question to Rashawn Haylock from KTLA. Hey, Coach. Hey, Rashawn. Wondering how did last season's offseason and, and getting in, getting into the season last year, how did that kind of help or shape you as it related to, you know, putting these pieces together heading into this 2022 campaign? Yeah, I mean, good question. I think, we, you know, we all learn from our experiences. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think last year we going into training camp and, and coming out of camp, we, we felt like we had, um, you know, added some players that brought a level of versatility and speed, you know, to our game that, you know, we maybe didn't have in 2019 and, and 2020. Um, and, you know, before the season could even get going real good, we, you know, we lost a number of players to injury and 
just never really got our footing. And even with all of that, we were, you know, one game from still having a chance to play in the postseason. And so, um, you know, this year we just felt that, uh, again, it would be vitally important to try and build a roster that could that could fit 12 players. Um, you know, last season taught us that, that, that whether you have players arriving late from overseas or you have injury situations um, or you have to make a, a, a difficult decision on uh, full season suspension compared to partial season suspension, uh, you know, going through what we went through last year and seeing the way our players, you know, suffered under the burden of carrying, you know, eight to nine players carrying the responsibility that 12 players should be able to carry. Uh, we, we just didn't want to do that to, uh, you know, our players again. And um, and we, we tried to think about that in the offseason, like just through some of the conversations in free agency, um, sharing that vision of, of being able to have 12 players and, and in a condensed season. And, you know, when we know our opponents are only going to be able to carry 11 most nights, um, a lot of our players in free agency bought into that idea and, and agreed to sign contracts at values that allowed us to fit 12. And so we, we, we just, we didn't want to move too far away from that in, in some of the roster decisions that we made uh, throughout training camp. We'll go next question to Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, go ahead. Hey Derek, um, Hi, just getting back to Amanda for a second, how much of that decision to suspend her for the full season, like how much did it help to have Olivia available, you know, to fill in at that extra big spot and what have you seen from her and even Amy and Lexi in training camp that allowed them to stick around? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we may not have even drafted Olivia if the circumstances were different with, uh, we knew Lauren Cox was gonna uh, be, you know, late to training camp. We knew we weren't going to see Amanda potentially until maybe mid-June, depending on, you know, when the season ended in EuroLeague. And, and then there were some uh, some visa things that we were managing that just comes, you know, as a part of, uh, of, of international players. We had some similar challenges with, with, with uh, Liz's visa that we were able to get cleaned up, you know, before the season started. But just with COVID and the pandemic, the, the issues around the world with U.S. consulates and embassies, uh, it's really put a high burden on players and agents and teams trying to get the visa stuff done on top of, you know, fitting the WNBA calendar. So I don't know if we even draft Olivia, if, if we know Amanda was going to be here sooner, or we knew that, you know, we liked what Lauren Cox brought to us, you know, just by showing up off, off the street last year and doing a lot of good things. We wanted to, to see her in training camp this year. And just not getting those chances, we, we, we knew we had to provide a little bit of insurance with Olivia in the draft. We also knew Chanae's uh, coming back off of injury and, and wanting to protect her. We knew that NECA's had, you know, injuries in the past. We know that Liz is, you know, is 30 years old and, 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 and moving over 30, not less than 30. And we, we just didn't think it was fair to those veteran players to not add some front court support uh, by drafting Olivia. And, you know, she's, I think, proven that, you know, she probably is here to stay. I mean, I, I, she, she does a lot of really high level things as a basketball player. She's smart, she's high character, high integrity. And, you know, that's all the type of players and people that we want to build with. So um, it's kind of the give and take of sports in some ways, you know, you, you, 
a player shows up that you you don't even know what you're going to get and and uh they end up becoming a part of a part of the plan and, um you know i think when you put it all together it all kind of again factored into some of the decisions we made around you know our 12 player roster just to follow up on that real quick um with with the guard decision you know you had to waive taya and arella um just curious what you saw out of amy and lexi brown that made you want to keep them around yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with with our struggles offensively just over the last couple of years, not even just thinking about just two weeks of, of training camp, uh, we, we honestly haven't had a high number of players that are other than not, you know, Raquana Williams, uh, Sidney Weiss to some degree, like just an all out comfort level and confidence of catching and shooting the ball from behind three without thinking. Um, you know, we've had more mid-range players, players that like to get downhill to the rim. And we really felt that it was important and vital, uh, considering where NECA is in her career, that we need to be making the game easier for her, not harder. So more floor spacing for NECA to be able to operate. Um, and then when you put Liz next to NECA, you have to maximize floor spacing and perimeter shooting. Um, so the decision to you know, I wanted to coach Gabby Williams. The decision that went into trading her to get Katie Lou Samuelson, it all kind of fit into this idea that in order for us to be more efficient offensively, we need players that are comfortable catching and shooting the basketball with no hesitation. Uh, and we feel like that'll that'll help us overall. We'll, we'll see, right? It doesn't guarantee us anything. We're still going to have to cut hard. We're still going to have to pass the ball well, set good screens. Uh, we're going to have to convert at the rim. You know, we have to still attack the paint, even though we're comfortable shooting the ball from the perimeter. But um, those are all things in terms of Amy and, and, and Lexi, um, just based on the offseason we had. And, and and then you throw Jordan and Kennedy into that mix, right? We And Brittany Sykes, like players that are really great getting downhill and, and playing in lanes. Um, you know, we, we, we just had to put the team together uh, in, in a way that we thought would be most effective. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. All right, we have time for a couple more. We'll go to Howard McDonald next. Howard, go ahead. Hey, Derek, thanks for the time as always. Yeah, you know, thank you. You touched on Shanae, but I'd like to explore her role a little more if we could uh, in two ways. Uh, first, just in terms of where she fits, you know, do you see her as somebody, she has expanded her shooting, um, mm -hmm. you know, who's going to spell NECA at times next to Liz? Is she somebody who's a third big um, who gives Liz some time uh, to rest? Um, you take me through that. And then um, just in terms of the larger project that is Shanae, just somebody who is working at ESPN, somebody who's connecting these worlds. I'm wondering if you could yeah. take through the value of that and the part that plays in having her on the roster as a bridge to other other players who were doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, no, I think, you know, first, like Shanae gives us like what we're really looking forward to is, is being able to play Shanae with NECA, with Liz, you know, with Jasmine Walker, um, you know, with Katie Lou Samuelson, with Ray Burrell, like we really, we believe that we can do whatever the game requires. And um, Shanae's defense and rebounding has has always been elite. Um, and, and we're better with her on the floor on that end. Uh, offensively, um, Shanae is a better catch and shoot perimeter shooting player than most people think. Uh, it, it has not been a big part of her game historically, 
but it is something that we want her to explore more, to, to feel more confident and comfortable catching and shooting the ball, um, you know, whether from the elbows, even behind the three-point line. Um, she has a great shot mechanically, and it goes in a lot when she just catches it and, and shoots it in, in flow and in rhythm. Uh, so we, we, we're viewing being able to utilize, you know, Neka, Cheney, and, and Liz to really always have a level of physicality and, and size and, and, and toughness on the court up front, but then also being able to move them around based on matchups and, you know, whichever one has the favorable matchup that we want to put low, the other one is very comfortable facing the basket and, and playing in the corner or playing, you know, swinging through her at the top of the key and, and, and really being versatile uh, offensively. And, and we want Sinead to really, I think even where she is physically, she looks great. She's moving well. This is the best she's been in a couple of years. We don't want her to then turn that into like trying to pound and ground and, you know, bang bodies every time down the court either. Like it, it's okay to allow Liz and NECA and other players to be in the paint and, and you take advantage of your passing and your shooting uh, from the perimeter. Uh, in terms of what she represents, I think, you know, as an extension of what she does on the court, um, I think in the WNBA, it's, it's vital um, that someone continues to show, you know, young girls of color all around the world and just, you know, women in general that um, it's possible, right, to do what you love to do, um, but also have a passion and have something else that you love to do that you maintain and nurture, it's it's almost an extension of self-care. Um, too often we put women in a position where they can be, they have to be a great mom, but they can't be a great executive, right? And, they, and women have to make this choice. And, and, and we feel that Sinead represents this possibility that you don't have to choose between being a great this and then not having the time or the space or the bandwidth to do anything else in life. Um, it, it's not always easy. It, it's tricky, right? Sometimes we have to have open conversation with Shanae about her schedule and, and how that's going to balance with her ability to show up for her team and her teammates um, because she does love the game and she's never wanted to give the, uh, the, the idea that basketball is not important to her. Uh, so we're, we're just hopeful that this year represents an opportunity for her to, to prove that she can contribute on the court, but also like carry the water, you know, off the court uh, for something that honestly is much bigger than basketball. And um, while we're trying to grow the WNBA, the more people that know our players, the better. I don't care where they know them from or where they see them. The, the more they know who they are and recognize them and, and care about what they're doing, it's better for the W. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, we'll go last question to Mike Trudell. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Fish, uh, just curious with all of the, the roster turnover and just the condensed camp, how are you approaching these first couple of games and specifically Chicago, but what have you been able to get done this week? And uh, what are a couple of things that you're looking for? Yeah, it's been, it's been a, for sure, you know, the anxiety has been high this week. Yeah, I feel really, um, you know, it's difficult for our players to think about, you know, preparing for the season and, you know, thinking about these bigger picture things when they don't even know if they're going to be here past a certain day. Um, so, you know, we, we, today was almost like 
a reset in a sense of like, this is the first time, you know, the players that are kind of going to be a part of our roster going into the season are, are the only ones here. Um, and so, you know, being able to turn our focus to the season and to Chicago and, and getting this trip started off the right way. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of new personalities and, and skill sets to, to find balance for, uh, you know, minute distribution, uh, you know, various lineups, when, when we can play NECA and Liz together, when we need to separate them and, and, and get Jasmine Walker into the game or, you know, getting Shanae in the game and, and how, we, how we move those things around to give us a chance to be successful on the court and, you know, finding a lineup that can be good offensively, but also we can still get stops and, and rebound and, uh, and be disruptive on the defensive end. So opening up on the road in Chicago, like we're excited. We're looking forward to the challenge uh, and we want to win. Like we're, we're definitely not, uh, you know, starting the season, you know, just thinking that we have time to figure it out. The WNBA really doesn't allow for that. Um, the competition is so well stacked and there's so much parity that every game that you can try to figure out how to win, you, you just, you have to do it. And so even with 10 players and none of them really ever having played that much basketball together, um, you know, we're going to go out and figure out, you know, how to position ourselves to, to maybe try and win a game on the road. And, um, you know, we're thankful, we're grateful for this opportunity and um, we're going to try and go make the most of it. Great. That'll be it for Coach Richards today. Thank you, everybody, for joining, and we'll see you tomorrow. Derek Fisher's Los Angeles Sparks are underdogs by three and a half tonight. I know that because it's betonline.net. BetOnline, your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. All of it. All of it. Not just men's sports. Indiana Fever, underdogs by nine against Washington. Minnesota Lynch, underdogs by nine and a half at Seattle. Now that's interesting. Las Vegas Aces, under, or favored by four and a half, excuse me, at Phoenix. We know all this because of bet online which had NCAA women's basketball odds, has WNBA odds. Whether you bet or not is immaterial, right? Having that equality matters when we're trying to eliminate those gaps. So go to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the women's game starts too. So it's interesting, right? Three and a half points in Chicago against the defending champs with Candace Parker on hand, with Courtney Vandersloot on hand, should be a tough game. But we're going to learn some things early on. we got to find out things like, how does Kennedy Carter run that offense? How effective is Liz there? What do Neca and Shanae do next to her? How for real is Jasmine Walker? There are a lot of questions to answer, but they're the type of questions you want to set about answering for a WNBA season. There's not a real sense that there's not enough there. It really comes down to what does Derek Fisher do? I am fascinated. I cannot wait to see it. I cannot wait to see all of it. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. 
Now, this is a crazy thing. Derek Fisher is the coach now. He actually played in a different league called the NBA. And so you should make your second listen locked on NBA. From the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals, a place, by the way, Derek Fisher has also been, lockdown experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting, I'm, I'm guessing they have 12 teams, because that's what the W. The NBA has, what? 30 teams. And we cover all 30 at Lockdown NBA. Just like someday, there'll be 30 in the WNBA, and we'll cover them all too. So again, we're your first listen. Well done. Locked on NBA. Make you your second listen. I hope you had as wonderful a week as we did. Make sure you're going to the next or the nextsoups.com, checking out all the work we've done. All 12 WNBA previews. I'm recording this. I'm putting up M. Adler Seattle Storm preview, which is crazy good. There's predictions. There's just day-to-day stories. And our people are fanned out. All over the league across the weekend. You know what they're going to do after they do that reporting? They're going to come on back next week, and they're going to talk to you about it here at Lockdown Women's Basketball. I am Howard Magdal. Happy WNBA first weekend, everybody. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.